It's time to get on the ice. Music City Gold is on the air. With Kyle Hancock, Daniel Mangrum, and Matt Bain. We are Smashville's best fan-driven podcast. Featuring news around the league, the Predators, and the occasional hot take or two. Part of the Penalty Box Radio Network. You're listening to Music City Gold. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Music City Gold on the Penalty Box Radio Network. I am your host, Kyle. With me, as always, are my co-hosts, Daniel and Matt. Hello. Hey, guys. Matt, you didn't trick you this time. I know it. Back to usual. That's the way I, I like didn't it. look them off. I was staring straight ahead at you, Kyle. So, random question before we get into the episode. Matt, what's your favorite dessert? If I ice said you cream. have haagen <laughs> vanilla bean ice cream. Really? What makes it so special? Uh, well, first of all, there's a huge difference between vanilla and vanilla bean, let me tell you. Yeah, because it actually has the, the granules It is there, significantly better, and it's, it's just the best there is. I like the dulce de leche. Wow, dulce de leche from Haagen-Dazs. Yeah, That's huge. also another, yeah. another fan favorite. What about you, Daniel? What's your favorite dessert of all time? Favorite dessert of all time? I don't know. I might have to go... <sighs> I might have to side with ice cream as well. I, I, it is probably my... Favorite. I do like some pies, though. I will give. I, I, I lean towards that fruit spectrum too. Uh, so apple pie is really good. You know, I'm a, a classic American classic. You know, I could talk about this all day. I know. I like, why a, are we? Why are we going with this, yeah. Kyle? Like, where? I, I don't know. I'm a little confused right now. Well, for me, if you had to say what was my favorite dessert as a kid, loved ice cream. Ice cream all the time. The little tiny cups they gave you in school, <laughs> the chocolate vanillas. As I got older. Choco. Kind of leaning towards Daniel. I'm more about the fruit stuff. Blueberry cobblers, apple pies, those type of things. And so where I'm going with this is, if you're a Panthers fan, you got to be eating some ice cream because you're probably a little sad that Aaron Eckwald is out for the season. That was the longest intro. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just be a, on record. It was a next level segue next there. Next level. That was next level, Kyle. <laughs> I don't know how long you've been coming up with that uh, today, but I'm impressed. So yes, Eckwald, who also... First of all, terrorized us as as Preds fans the last several weeks. Uh, I feel like it was always him or Huberdo scoring against us in the games against the Panthers with a gruesome injury. Um, yeah, it not just a generic it's injury. That was bad, a- and it wasn't. That was one of those. I, I don't really hold any you know kind of like angst against the star player. It, it did not look dirty. It no. was just a very weird, awkward hit, and then his leg kind of flailed, too, like, off the board, and then, oh, man, dude, it was a... Yeah, it was one of those, like, freak accidents. I went back and watched the replay, and like you guys say, he just kind of hit the boards wrong and just lost his footing, and when I saw his leg been that way, I was like, oh, oh, gosh. I was like, I could just hear just the crack Yeah, the, the ligaments and everything, yeah. and the funny part is, too, the camera actually misses the very last part of it, and... And boy, I, I'm kind of glad because I was watching it. I'm like, ooh, that would have been really rough to see the last like half second or one second of that, uh, the impact there. Uh, he's going to be out for 12 weeks. It looks like he underwent surgery. So He did. I mean, essentially, he's out for the rest of the Panther season. And we all know the Panthers are going to make the playoffs. So it looks like he could come back right in time for the playoffs, which yeah. is, you know, how bad of a hit is losing him right now? It's huge. I mean, there's not a whole lot of, when you look at the roster in Florida, there's not a whole lot of names that jump out at you. And certainly he is he is one of the biggest ones. And compare that to how hot they've been at one point. They yeah. were, you know, top four in the league. Yeah. Uh, so 
uh, yeah, like I said, they'll still make the playoffs, but it's going to hurt their standings yeah. as far as their seeding is is concerned. But um, he's a big piece of the puzzle. Honestly, though, if you're a Preds fan, that's kind of it's kind of helps as far as like your outlook as far as facing the Panthers some more. You know, in those games, I think we only have two more games left with them, but I do think that you'll see a drop in the standings from this because he is a very big key player who has been playing very well. I might add. Uh, for the Panthers this year, and th- and that's just tough to see. By the way, just just real tough to see. Well, it can't be tougher than what Buffalo's experiencing right now. Oh. Dan, you said yesterday in our group text that you're like, "Here we go, boys. Buffalo's got a three goal lead going to third period. All they gotta do is give it up, and they did." Bro, I literally called it. I'm sitting over there, and I'm like, "If there's any way for them to lose this game, they're gonna do it." Okay, so losers of seventeen. Okay, seventeen. They have not won a game. And 17. They've lost some in overtime, whatever. But 17 straight games they've lost. 18 minutes are left, okay, in the third, Kyle. 18 minutes. You had 18 minutes just to lock it down. I mean, like, stall, do whatever you can. They blow it. I mean, they got down to the Flyers pulling their their goaltender, too. One minute, and I think it was like one minute and 30 seconds left, empty net goal. And as soon as that one went in, I'm like, they're going to lose this. They're going to lose this in overtime. And 30 seconds into overtime, sure enough, they get hammered. Extend that streak up to 18 games. 18 ga- And here's the deal. You remember at the beginning of the season when all the Sabres fans were just like in just awe that they got Taylor Hall for that one-year contract? And then they're like, oh, he's going to pair with Eichel. And, you know, you know I, I think this is Skinner. You know, oh, this is it. Like, we're, we're going to actually make the playoffs. They are the worst team in the league by far. Like Detroit is going to get beat out by them for like potential draft, you know, number one draft pick this year. That's incredible. Like, and I, I saw some of the advanced stats too. Could you imagine if they didn't have Taylor Hall too? Because Taylor Hall is actually posting some good numbers right now. Like it, it would be even way worse. Well, he I, better I mean, be if he's on a one year, $8 million contract. Yeah, it, it's Oh, it's so bad for them right now. And it just cracks me up because like they had such high hopes for this season and they are coming crashing down. They've already hired their coach. So it's like, are they in another rebuild mode already? I mean, who knows? It's just, man, tough to watch right now for Buffalo. Well, they've, they've already started the trading. So, you know, their newest GM, Kevin Adams, he's already got rid of Eric Stahl and gave him to the Canadians. And he got a third and fifth round pick. So I think they're definitely in another rebuild mode which seems to be the rebuild that just doesn't end. Yeah, it's not that they're in another one. It just They haven't even gotten up to par with the one they're trying to, to do right now. And it kind of makes you feel good in seeing how bad the Pred season has been so far. And even though we've had a little bit of a resurgence, which we're going to talk about in a bit, it's a good thing we're not Sabres fans. Yeah, uh, you know, that stinks for the Sabres, but you know, if I have to pick a theme for the last week or so, it's, it really seems that this is like the two or three week period of streaks. You got all these teams going on huge streaks, goalie streaks. It's uh, it the whole league seems to be very streaky right now. Usually players are. It's just this way with teams, with power plays, with goalies. It's all over the board this time. It's all about that trade value. All these streaks are just going to be lowering and raising people's trade value. Yeah, it was interesting to see stall get dealt to the Hobbs really quickly. Um, I just I just don't know how much movement it's going to be this year. I feel like a lot of teams are kind of staying pat, you know, and not to precursor for some of our episode tonight, but I, I think that's going to be a trend, honestly, this year. I, I just haven't seen as much movement, but, you know, 
I say that and closer to the trade deadline, you might start to see some, you know, massive sellers. Well, you know, the what is it, the cap didn't move this year or it or it didn't move at all. It didn't move at all this year. Yeah. So that's so why it, anytime you do trades like this, there's usually some money involved, not just straight one for one trades. There's usually some some salary cap retention or there's some futures. There's there's always a little bit of extra money on the side somehow to kind of make the ends meet, make the trade even. And I think people are going to be averse to making trades because of the cap and the uh, the cash space issue, particular this season. So I think most people, most GMs are going to be trade averse this time around. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. I was even talking earlier to, I can't remember who it was, but we were talking about the Taylor Hall contract because, of course, he comes in there at the $8 million mark. And that's going to be hard for a team to swallow, honestly. And he does have a partial no move clause. So it'd be very interesting if he goes ahead and waves his no move clause just to get traded to a playoff team this year, which I don't know which team is going to be able to pick that up. Uh, kind of like to Matt's point, it's going to be real tight on the cap space. We even allu- alluded that to when we were talking about maybe trying to dump off a Duchesne or a Johansson contract. Well, I don't think there's very many teams out there that are going to be able to pick it up, honestly. Yeah. I think similarly, I've seen more higher names than usual as far as salary being dumped on waivers this year. And I think that's a direct reflection of the the cap space issue that their teams are having right now. Yeah, Taylor Hall is third on the athletics trade board. But like you said, with his salary, I don't think anybody's going to get him at all. Yeah, and look who's up at the top there. Old Maddie Eckholm, who's been putting up some good numbers. So that, that's going to be interesting to see here as we creep closer to the trade deadline. Yeah, and you got Mikhail Grayland number nine as well. I know. It's just, it, it's crazy to see all these players up there. I could see Granlin being dealt, obviously, beforehand just because of his one-year deal. But um, two, two Predators on the top 10 board is definitely uncommon. On the trade front, I think it was just today that somebody, I don't know if it was Adam Vinnigan or whoever, spoke with uh, David Boyle, and he kind of hinted, maybe it was on 102.5 The Game, he was hinting that he was is becoming less likely to make a trade, as opposed to, you know, maybe a month ago when we were talking, oh, you've got Ekholm on the board, you've got the Preds are kind of in a dire situation, they're kind of sucking, they got a lot of people hurt, so it kind of, the pressure it felt like was on to make a move. And now Poyle kind of comes pushes back against that today and says that now he's he's not feeling the pressure. He's feeling kind of like he is going to lean against making a trade. And I think that really is kind of in line with how he's always been. He's always been very patient. He's never in a rush to make a decision, make a hasty decision. And I think that just kind of firmly cements. But also, it's interesting because it could show you that he is also finding more life and energy in the idea that this a little move up the division standings could be more sustainable and and maybe we there's a little bit more to it going forward well let's talk about that really quickly so the preds as it stands we've played 36 games we have 37 points we're actually at uh 0.514 now back up above 500 we're fourth in the division and 18th in the league our record's 18, 17, and 1, and our goal differential is now down to minus 15. And honestly, if you take that one stars game that we got blown out, it's only like a minus 8. Or you know, I mean, like, absolutely crazy that we are at this point in time, given the amount of also crazy injuries we had piling up the last couple of weeks. I mean, like, do you guys remember at one point, like, we had literally $30 million sitting on the bench? Literally. Yeah, I do. I, I, I mean, at one point we had Roman Yossi, 
Ryan Ellis. Uh, I think Benning or Burrow was on there. Basically, it was our top four, and then Fabro was out one day. Johansson was out for a while. Johansson was out for a little bit. You have uh, Duchesne's been out for a long time, too. Uh, him and Ellis, man, that's really been hurting. Um, it, it's been crazy. Luke Cunning was on there for a bit. Soros gets a concussion. <laughs> I, I mean, the fact that we have gone through this win streak at this current time is actually a little bit impressive. And I have to say, I've been very impressed with a lot of the young rookies stepping up. And we've had some hot games, which we'll get to. And there's been two players in particular that have had very hot streaks that just came up. But um, I, I've been super impressed with all the, the rookies stepping up, man. I mean, it's been, it's been very impressive to see so far. That's been the one shining part of our season. Our season hasn't been going as well as we'd like it to be, but it's really good seeing these rookies come up and seeing what our future is going to hold down the road. Well, you know, I'll draw a similarity. So now, you know, Nashville has crept in. What are we in fourth? Just crept in a, in a playoff spot. And this is eerily similar to, was it five-ish years ago when Uh-oh. the Preds were making He's that cup run? It. He's going to do they it. Were, so now what you have, I always say, give me, give me a hungry team. And somebody alluded to it earlier. I think John Hines made a reference to this hungry, the hungry dog runs faster or something. But it's the same type of energy and excitement. Now the Preds have something to look forward to. Oh, okay, now there's a little more skin in the game. We, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe we are in a playoff spot. Maybe push forward a little bit more. Maybe we're keeping up a little bit more. And it is this type of energy and excitement that gets the team pushing to the next level, and including the rookies, including Soros making a huge run. It's these type of almost intangibles. It's really it's a hunger and a drive. It's a grittiness in the players that thrive that, or that drive them to take this to the next level well remember too uh, and to kind of back your point up there a little bit remember like we had like colin blackwell and like you had freddie goudreau you had all colton sisson colton sisson face off maybe like he he was first line center you know like against crosby against crosby so i will say there are several similarities to what is lining up but matt i would like for you to like are you going to go on record what, like where are we making it like, oh, I'm not going that far. Oh, okay, <laughs> I'm not going okay. That far. I just, but he's, I'm just even saying. better. Is this our team or your team? Oh, it's still your team. I Bro, mean, you, you got said you, us. <laughs> I don't know how many times tonight. So let's reel back that tape. So it's fine. But, We're you're adopted. You're a pred wing. Okay? But yeah, that's true. But at least you know this is this is. I'm almost feeling great. This is like you backed me in a corner, and this is exciting. This is where I want to be. Honestly, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I got. You know, and it's funny because I think our team has always done better as the underdog. Yeah. Like, seriously. Like, let's be honest. Let's just go back. Like, it, it just historically, like, playing, like, they don't play well with a lead. They don't play, you know, it's just funny to me. Like, our team has always been, like, the different, you know, it's like, oh, the non-traditional hockey market, all that stuff. You know, kind, kind of like the Hurricanes. You know, like, everyone made fun of them for their storm surge, which I'm just like. I still love it. I still like it. It's unique to them. You know, like, that's what makes hockey for them you know so it just cracks me up that we always kind of have to have that chip on our shoulder to be able to perform but here we are and man we are coming on strong now it's kind of like kind of like in school when you would have a couple weeks to study for a test and then you push it off to the last night or the last night to do the project you're coming in you know staying up all night doing it and that's kind of like the the predators i feel they're they don't really want to play great hockey until you back them in the corner and they got two or three goals down. Okay, well, now we're back in the corner. Now we really got to put it on. We got to do something now. 
we really suck in the standings. All our players are hurt. All right, I guess we'll turn on the gas a little bit and do something about it. Well, speaking of some hot players, we'd be amiss to stop, you know, and, and not talk about some of them for a second. So let's just go ahead and start with the first one that has to be a huge part of it. And he's also been suffering with injuries and a concussion. And he comes back from the concussion and is named the third star of the week this week. And that's UC Soros. Comes back strong. I, I mean, let me tell you. So he now has had seven consecutive decisions with one or fewer goals against. That's that's pretty impressive. He's he's creeping up into all time great territory. I don't know if you've seen this, but the, yeah, the record is ten. So he also got injured again the other night. So depending on when he comes back, he has been phenomenal. I will say the defense in front of him has been great, but no joke. Uh, it's just been inc- incredible to watch. He actually improved at one point. This was a, a week ago. He was 4-1-0 and zero in his last six appearances, and he had a 1.13 goals against and a .968 save percentage with a shutout. Yeah. Those that's... are some off-the-charts numbers, especially after coming back after a concussion, a head injury. Like, very impressive run. Absolutely deserving of the third star of the week. Um he, we are not in the position that we are in if it wasn't for him coming back as hot as he has been. And you can tell, too, he has been very crisp with his movements. Like, he's been following the puck really well, so that little time off really helped him recuperate and get locked in and laser-focused, too. I have to say, in my opinion, he's probably the number one reason. There was a an article today about the couple stats as to why the Preds are in a playoff spot now. And I really think the number one reason why is because of UC Soros play. And I know we talk about Yarn Crook, we we'll talk about RV, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about Grimaldi here in a second Tolvanen. too. I mean, oh god, don't even start. But Soros is is really been lights out, and he he's the difference maker for sure right now. Yeah. So another player that also got global like recognition here was the Cali Yarn The Cali You mean the Iron Hook? The Iron Hook. The Swiss army knife of the predators comes in as the first star of the week can you believe that i mean he was blowing it up that week though i i, I mean it's been incredible and also like grimaldi too hey sorry red wings fans avert your eyes because that was a four goal game uh yeah he had a hat trick within eight minutes in change yeah <laughs> it was the 10th fastest hat trick in history. Yeah. But back to your point uh, about Yon Croak, I got a couple of stats since you brought him up. He had four points in two games. That was the uh, week he was first star. He also had eight points. And look at the difference between Yon Croak alone has eight points. Arvison, Duchesne, and Johansson combined for nine points. Yep. Look at the roster size and the salary hit for that. Well, so, I will say too, Duchesne's been out for a long I'm just time. Saying, I'm, I'm just saying that Yon Croak is you, a much better value player. At least, at least in this time frame. Yes. And yes. we can at least appreciate that as it is. He's been incredible for us. Uh, I'm surprised he isn't further up on like a, a trade board or something, just personally. But I don't know. He, he's one of those utility players who's been coming in big. Rocco has stepped up. Like you need players to step up on certain nights when other players are off. You know, I mean, like you're not always going to be hot. That's yeah. just how it is. It, and like now it looks like you're getting like, Several players are getting hot and they're getting hungry. Like Rocco was everywhere that game. I'm sorry. Like even as a Preds fan, Matt, you have to 
appreciate the grit and the effort that he's yeah. been putting for. That's what like, I want to see. I, I, I mean, love like, that. First of all, we can also talk about the bottom line for Nashville has been phenomenal. It's been like Trennan, Olivier, and I think Sisson sometimes, it's been, you know, they've called it like the yak attack line or the the bull line. They've been incredible. Like, their sustained pressure the other night was phenomenal against Chicago. Like, they, they, they're just big, oversized, and they're going to get in your face, and they're going to check you. I, I mean, it, it's, it's dumping in the zone and pinning up against the wall. I, I mean, it, it's actually pretty fun to watch. Like, their sustained pressure has given them, or the other lines, opportunities to score, I think, because they're wearing down your team, wearing it down, and then you're able to sub in a, a, a high-flying line, and boom. Like, you're getting good results because you're pinning people in. Well, I think all this combined is why has led to the Preds having this resurgence in their offense and everything. So Adam Vinkin had an article come out on The Athletic, I believe it was either yesterday or today, where he talks about the Preds finding themselves in a playoff spot. And he noted three things that we all kind of hit around that's part of that. It was the goaltending, the resurgent forecheck, and the offense, he said, has been very much overperforming. I mean, you take the forwards, Tolvanen, Grimaldi, and Granlin, like we've talked about them, They've combined for 19 points, which is 10 goals and 9 assists since this time. And the Preds have went 7-1-0 and zero in their last eight games. They played Dallas tonight, and they're looking to get another win. Yeah, Granlin has looked great, too. I'm sorry. He, he's been everywhere uh, on the power play unit. Let's not even get started on Tolvanen. Oh, my. He is, man, he is stepping up. I, the other night, literally against the Red Wings, too. I'm sure Matt saw it. That power play goal. I'm sorry. Look, first of all, there wasn't even a screen. Yeah. Your dude just got hosed. I mean, like, <laughs> he literally did. Okay, you you have to admit. Like, he literally went like this. He put his glove up, and the next thing you know, like, the puck's by him, and then he moved his arm like this. And that's, <laughs> that's how you know yeah. it was a good shot. Like, he didn't have a screen. He had no chance. That is a wicked wrist shot. Even Yarncroft went on record to say it might be harder than Philip Forsberg's. Yeah, I Little rivalry in there. And I'm like, whoa. I don't know about that. Those are some fighting words for Preds fans. But let me tell you, from what I've seen on the power play, Tolvanen is a specialist and a sniper. Like, yeah. I don't know why we weren't doing this before. Like, and it cracks me up. As we've made mention, he's been doing it on both wings. It's not just like a one-trick pony. And the thing that amazes me with him is he's coming from the KHL, which is a larger size ice. So I would think he might not be able to see the space and create space on the smaller rink, but somehow he does. Somehow he just uh, threads the lanes. It, it Half the time it's through screens, half the time it's not. He he sees the ice and, and the space that other players can. It's his, incredible. His passing has been really good. Oh, so, yeah. so the other night, the go-ahead goal in the Blackhawks game was Yossi's goal in the slot. But that pass was from Tolvanen, and honestly, I don't know if anyone was expecting that pass because they were like, oh, he's probably going to shoot at one, and two, he's already in the slot. But do that little drop back pass, like behind the back, no look, straight to Yossi in the slot, Woo. Yeah. I mean, that was tasty. That was a passing clinic. Yeah, honestly, it was like two or three passes, not yeah. just him. It was it was looked like a clinic, it like you said. It was a passing clinic, and that's why I was just sitting there, and I'm like, he's doing it. Also, too, I don't know if you've noticed, like, He's been very physical to checking. Yeah. And then he also, like the other night, there was one play that like really stood out. The puck somehow got stopped on the blue line and got knocked back in. And he dove, physically dove and smacked it out to get a clear. And I'm like, he is 100% effort. Yeah. He is feeling it right now. I've noticed He's him playing a two-way. Confident. 
defensive game as well. Yes, and and his confidence just keeps growing, and that is oh, so nice to see. Especially, this is what we wanted to see a couple of years ago. Now we're starting to see it blossom a little bit. It's it's, it's pretty as fun. if you play him yeah. on your top line or like in with yeah, quality. put him on the power play unit with some yeah, with yeah. some talent. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the power play has been much improved i know like the first half of the season the numbers were so skewed and then by the time told it it is really taken off like since then it is impressive to watch the movement it's just fun now because like we get a power play and i'm like i i I get excited when the preds get a power play now because i'm like you know who's coming out on that first one i get to see yossi forsberg and tolvanen basically on left and right like top left and right those are the three names i want to hear on the power play and then I got two down low, and that's usually a Granlin and Johansson, which are great at passing, and those down dirty goals. So I'm like, perfect. You know, like this is now the power play that you wanted at the beginning of the season. And it's funny because, he, like in a previous episode, we saw the difference. I mean, we were like literally dead last to like, yeah. You know, maybe I just want to like, know. I want to know what's changed because whatever they're doing right now, you need to start leaving some breadcrumbs. Um, make some notes in a journal about what's what's clicking right now so you can find your way back when in a month things start falling apart again. That way you can get back to what you're doing right now because whatever's going on, whatever changes were made, it is clicking, man. I feel like part of it might be that maybe Hines is letting them play a little more like they're used to playing. Probably because he's on the hot seat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know. But I do know that they've looked way more aggressive. That I, I mean, you can tell. Like, you can just look at them now and be like, wow, this team's got some grit now. It's kind of what Matt was saying earlier. This this team has got, like, some fire underneath them, you know? Like, they're getting to the places they need to get. They're literally forechecking again. Like, look at this. You just pulled this up, and I, like, crazy. They are forechecking like crazy now. That bottom four has been incredible. I, I, I mean, it, it's just been fun to watch hockey. It's interesting talking about their forecheck. Their forecheck right now is 2.3 forecheck chances per game. It's second in the NHL over the past two weeks behind the Blues. I, I know. And the, and the funny part is, I did not even pull this up. I did not even look at these stats beforehand. And then you just pulled that up while I was talking it. You could tell just by the eye test that they've been getting to the spots that they needed to get to. I, I mean, and honestly, that fourth line, I'm telling you, that fourth line has been gritty. Like, I've been loving that. I think, uh, you know, the players are just, we're past that halfway mark now. I think they're kind of ramping up for playoffs. It's starting to feel that way. There's a grittiness. And if you've noticed, the fighting has been up too. I forget exactly how much the percentage, but it's been up lately. And I think it's because you've got all this interdivisional rivalry heating up. You're starting to see these teams more and more times, more than usual. And they're starting to try to grind each other down a little bit. And that has made for a very attractive brand of hockey. Well, you know, it's funny, and we're just now talking to this, you know, like the Preds always come on strong after the All-Star break. And it's funny because like this year, you know, there's not really, you know, All-Star break, everything's compressed. This would be probably about the time in the season when the All-Star break would happen. Yeah. I just want to point that out. Yeah, that's and a like, good observation. I, like we're, an, we're a post-All-Star break team. And guess what? We're about at that point in the season. And here we are. And we're coming on strong. Like, let me tell you, if if they come out tonight and post another strong game against Dallas and pull this one out, people better be watching out. Because I, I said literally before our last episode that this next stretch was going to make or break us. They actually pulled out of that tough stretch above, like 500 or above and then come out of that stretch against the teams that they need to be and they're beating all of them. Yeah. 
and that's the thing. Like they're now winning the games that they need to win to put themselves in position. Are they going to make the playoffs? We don't know. They dug themselves a really big hole. Okay. Like, I mean, yes, Typical. we're fourth. Yeah. We're fourth right now. So we're technically in a playoff spot, but there's still work to be done, obviously. But this has totally changed our outlook as far as like being buyers or sellers. Yeah, it definitely changes that dynamic for sure. Yeah, we're going to be pretty much in a contest with Chicago for a while because right now, going into the nice game, we're both at 37 points. Yeah, and like I said, that's, first of all, we had two back-to-back wins against them in regulation. So, huge, huge points right there. That I was an eight-point eight swing. This year is going to end up like it always does, two, three, four, five-ish, or, you know, three, four, five. Right in there, we're always, it's like two points separate the, you know, four or five teams in the Central. I think it's, you're just seeing the preview of it right here. Oh, yeah, but that's why I was saying that these last several games, though, matter Oh yeah, immensely because because these, they're in division and these yeah. last five too. So it was Chicago, Chicago, Dallas. I think Chicago, Chicago, and Dallas again. Oh, okay. If you win those, your chances of getting in the playoffs go up like a lot. Okay, like a lot. That is incredible. The next stretch that you have, and you've already started off good. You get two back to back wins against Chicago. Okay, like job well done. Okay, now you gotta you gotta keep plugging away. Well, I just want to know, you know, for a while there, it's not the way, it's not current, but for a week or two, the top three out of the four in the league were Carolina, Tampa Bay, and Florida, who are from the Central. So three out of the four best teams in the league are from the Central. So I'm having a hard time deciding, is the Central really good or does the bottom of the Central really suck? And, and the top teams are just bottom feeding off the teams that are garbage. It's kind of hard to tell. Well, that's the funny part is when you go to the actual full league, um, Tampa Bay is still on top. Carolina is at fourth and Florida is at sixth. So you're still, you're still in that top six. I mean, for the, the, the top three essentially of the central. It's, so it, it's, it's very interesting to note because I feel like, <laughs> I don't want to beat up on the right wing, and, but like you do have some teams in there yeah. that are underperforming. That's, so that's it's what I'm like, saying. I don't, I don't know. It's hard. So if Tampa Bay is going to get a win and they're going to get more wins, you know, statistically than everybody else or whatever, it's hard to gauge the quality of the wins because half of them are coming against Detroit. Well, they were also saying that against Toronto too. Yes. And, and that's kind of my, they haven't been playing against tough, stiff competition. So like, what if Toronto is the number one, you know, they win the division, but then all of a sudden they get paired against the Colorado. Yeah. Uh, like, Mm, don't know. Colorado's won like what? They've gotten a point in their last eleven games, so uh, like it's I'm going like, to be hard pressed not to pick Colorado over them, you know, in my bracket. What's like Matt's talking about with these bottom feeding teams? I'm sorry, the teams on the top feeding on the bottoms. So, like you said, you got the first three teams of the Central Division in the top ten, but you have to go way right down to number eighteen to find the Preds. That's a big gap. Yeah, yeah, there's a large disparity it, in the Central. I think you can make an argument either way that either the Central's really strong or whatever, but th- what you can't argue against is is the massive disparity there, which is leading to the kind of the question marks. So come bracket time, it's going to be very oh, interesting. This, this year's going to be so difficult for brackets because you, you haven't you haven't had that cross-divisional play. Yeah. So you have nothing to, to reference. To compare it to. So like you, like literally, like in another vision, oh, you haven't fought Colorado all year. Okay. Well, and, that tells and, me nothing. You know, another <laughs> like, surprise, I think another surprise around the league is uh, comparing Dallas last year to this year. 
there's been a dyna- I know they had some roster issues, the COVID issues, but uh, Dallas is not anywhere near what they were expected to compare coming off of last season as well. No, they they just haven't looked. They've they've really fallen. I did notice like that. Uh, Lol. That the they have extended the season. I think it's just two or three days so far. But they have went ahead and shifted it to try to give the teams that are making up games a little bit more time because they're realizing it's just really wrecking their schedule. They cannot play back to back for you know it's, three weeks straight. Uh, I have to admit, I've kind of liked the compressed schedule because it's like almost every other night I get a. Yeah. Oh, it's been a great or, time. Or like you know, for Matt, it's like every other night you get a. I mean, literally, if. If we're not playing, the Red Wings might be playing. And it's like, I mean, you get constant hockey. Believe me, it's been fun. But also, on the same time, I know it's been taxing on players. I mean, it's been taxing on our players. Look at how many people got injured at one point in the season for us. I mean, like, hello. Like, it's been bad. I will say, for uh, next season, if they come back to the regular 82-game season and they you know split the, split the uh, divisions back to normal, I'd still be okay with them doing these sets of back-to-backs, though. It works out great. Yeah, some of these back-to-backs have been fun because I think kind of like Matt alluded to earlier in the in the conversation, the interdivisional play has been getting really chippy, and these back-to-backs in particular have been very chippy. Like that second game of the back-to-back, oh yeah, it's yeah. you know it's going to be a good one because like one team lost the night before, you know, and it's like, oh, and by the way, we're about to do this again tomorrow. Oh, and then guess what? Next week? Two more times. So it's like, yeah, I, I mean, you're going to be seeing these teams a whole lot more frequently. And it's been nice to kind of see like the, uh, you know, banter between the, between the uh, divisions. Well, you know, something we need to mention here. Oh, it's going to be very interesting come seeding time as far as points are concerned, because you had a certain referee the other day that might have Ooh. tipped the balance of a particular game, which is going to eventually, you know, uh, that might determine yeah. where the Preds stand. And we're, we're kind of uh, familiar with the scenario in this particular referee. So what happened here, Kyle? Well, Tim Peel got caught with a hot mic saying Ooh. some colorful language about how he wanted to give the Preds a penalty. Boy, he got caught finally. Oh, I'm smiling ear to ear because you know what? I'm sorry. It was funny because I saw some other analysts and they were like, what? Tim Peel said this? And it was like a national, like this was like a Canadian guy. And he was just like, he said it because like, it wasn't, you know, like obviously unknown that Tim has had a few run-ins where it's been questionable calls against certain people. Remember, he also really hated James Neal. Do you remember? Yeah, I don't Do know this? why. I don't know I don't what know he why. did have such a personal vendetta against James Neal. But here's the deal. Peel is always just, he, he hasn't liked certain players. Not just on the Predators, I might add. There's been other players. Like, you know, they've, they've floated around. He just hasn't liked them. And there's certain teams that he just hasn't quite connected with or bonded with. And sure enough, the other night, old audio man out in the booth, probably out in a car somewhere, had his mic on, and it was piped in to the TV audience. So, everyone got to hear Tim use some colorful language, but the worst part was the fact that he actually admitted to try to call a penalty on the Preds early in the game, but it was going to be too obvious that it was like basically like an easy call. So, so what's, wow. What's interesting is... There's always say, well, these situations, people say, well, the fans don't know. They're not in the, you know, they don't know anything about hockey because they're they're not in the moment. They're not on the ice. They don't see it, how it happens. 
And that's an interesting <clears throat> dynamic with this referee because I think even players are kind of like, well, you know, this this stuff kind of happens in games. It's kind of well known that the referees will do like makeup calls. If they've missed one, they're like, all right, I'll, I'll get you back. You know, I, you, got, you guys got one coming to you soon. But as far as the referee's perspective, they're kind of their own little clique and nobody really has weighed in. No. In fact, on Twitter, Kerry Frazier, a longtime NHL referee who recently retired, kind of weighed in a little bit. And he really didn't light him over the coals over it. He kind of said, you know, he's had a pretty great career. It's kind of a sad ending to it. But I haven't really, and I've heard a couple players on other podcasts not really light him on fire for it. They kind of know that that the referees have their own little system where they police themselves, kind of police the teams. But is for the, what Tim Peel said, I think, I don't know. I, I get that you can do makeup calls and blah blah blah. But his his exact phrase of what he said yeah. was was pretty damning evidence that yeah, it was it was pretty malicious. It, it, well, it, when the NHL actually made a statement, they even said like even out of context, it sounded bad. Yeah, like I, I mean, you could literally take it in the worst context and it sounded bad. And then if you put it in context, it still is bad and it doesn't align with what they want. Yeah, and it, it isn't a good look. I mean, it really isn't. I'm sorry. Like, let's just be honest. If you want. If you want everything called right, then you need to call the obvious ones and try to be as fair as possible. I I mean that that's it. Like, and I understand like the makeup call thing. I get it. Like, if you if you accidentally messed up, okay, and like like I fully get it, and the players understand that too. But like, just calling one on a team just to call it because you don't like that team. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's, you know, a, that's another that's another thing altogether. You jo know what I mean? Johansson went on the radio the next day and said that he was talking to him or or somebody on the Preds roster. I think it was Johansson said he was talking to me when he said it. So why would he say I really wanted to get one called against Nashville? If you're talking to a Nashville player, he would have said you guys or you, you know, it just is. I don't know. Something about it was just weird. And, you know, you look at what the league did. They they said he's done uh, for the rest of the yeah, season. And, he's just, and for, but he's not fired, but he was going to retire in a month anyway. So yeah. they it really, it sounds like the league is maybe making an example out of him, but he only had like less than a month left. So it's just kind of like here, have an early retirement. We'll slap you on the wrist and say you're done. Get two weeks, you know, free vacation out of it. Yeah, I, I really don't. I, I, I'm not making a big deal about it, but it's just funny because it happened to be Tim Peel. Yeah, like exactly. out of all the people, it's just like, oh, really? Like, mm -hmm, well, okay. like I said on Twitter when I first thought about it, with Tim Peel being fired. The Preds are now basically retroactively the 2017 Stanley oh, Cup champions. Well, well, run it back, baby. Yeah. Run it back. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, it's it's one of those. It's like, I mean, you don't want to see somebody get fired, obviously, from their job. But, but at the same, at the time, same time, Preds fans aren't going to be Preds fans mad. are like yeah. not lamenting anywhere. Like, it was pretty funny. Like, on Twitter, they were like, boo. And there was also some other teams. Like, I mean, literally Carolina. We have some friends at the Red Revolution podcast. They were like, thanks. Like, don't want to see him anymore. So it wasn't like it was one fan base that was kind of biased towards him. So, uh, yeah, everybody knows the refs do it, but he was always one that made it very obvious. Yes, very obvious. So, uh, I think you're going to see a lot of that toned down a little bit after the example has been made, as Matt said. So, and that leads us guys into what I would call our main event for this show tonight. Preds are in the playoff spot. Main card, baby. Last couple of weeks. That oh. trade deadline's been looking really sweet. We got some players that have been kind of had their value being shot up, and now Preds are in a playoff spot. And the question is, do the Preds become sellers, buyers, or do they do nothing at all? 
Well, I'm going to need to take a drink of water for this one because, man, this could be an interesting conversation for us because there is a lot, a lot that can go on and that we could weigh here because I just want to point out, remember all those players that were injured? We were still winning without them. Yeah. I just want to take my sip of water here and let... I mean, so it's a- trade deadline's April 12th. Soak, let that soak in for a minute. So... Just saying, I, I, I don't know. So wh- what do we got? We have the 12. So here we go. Poyle is not going to do anything. <laughs> Poyle is not going to do anything until probably that, what? What do you guys think? Well, Second really, week of April? Like, it's going to be definitely past April 5th. I mean, it really depends. Like Adam says in one of his articles here, Poyle has the bargaining power now. He doesn't have to liquidate players and he can drive up the price. Because if the Preds keep winning, he knows he can command what he wants for somebody like Matias Ekholm or Granlin, which has been rumored that Toronto wants Granlin. You know, it's it's kind of almost a juxtaposition because while players' values have went higher, like Ekholm, et cetera, but so while you can command a higher value, teams are in a crunch to not be able to spend. So, Yeah, Ekholm only has $3.75 million, though, compared to like... Some of these eight mil contracts. Oh, that's it? Yeah, that's why it's juice. That's why. That, oh yeah, yeah. Now you looking with that face. I didn't that's know a that. big juicy carrot to dangle out there. So yes, teams could pick him up. Oh, Granlund as well. Like we were talking about, what is he at? He's at a measly three point seven five as well. Okay, that's, so that's we fine. have two players under four. That's why these players are on the top board. Yeah, for trade bait. They're kind of like middle range. They're mid range, and some teams can't actually pick them up if they needed to. Then I'll say, here's another question then. We seem convinced that Poyle probably isn't going to do anything. Does he go ahead and bite the bullet and start getting rid of some of the extra weight? Well, I'm always a fan of that. I'm always a fan of shipping out the fat cats who aren't performing like my middle tier guys. But, you know, where do you start? Yeah, I mean. And what are you willing to let go? Because. Yeah, that's the real, that's the real question. Because again, some of these, some of these fat cats uh, represent a certain proportion of your team identity at its core. So if you, if you start shipping out big names, you know, you might find that your team isn't the same and they don't have the right, uh, the right, uh, group dynamics to work together as well. Yeah. And and the problem is too, is this is exacerbated by this win streak because before this win streak, oh, we were sellers, baby. Oh, we were selling. Like you would have probably seen one, if not two big names shipped out okay you would have seen probably johansson try to be sold you would see well, Shane try to be taken I don't out think, i you know what i think what's going to happen with one of their contracts is going to they're going to leave both of them unprotected and then basically one idea. of them is going to get picked up in the seattle draft and i wouldn't be super opposed to that just because they are getting a little older on the older side and that's fine overpaid. and it's an eight million dollar contract yeah. that would get knocked off of our deal so i think that's actually poil's play eventually is Leave both of them unprotected. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to run the numbers, but I can guarantee you, somebody like Arvidsson is twice the value that Johansson is per per contract per dollar amount, as far as points are concerned. And he's half the price capital. Yeah, and he's half. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, like once again, that's not going to happen. Um, I, I could see him leaving those two unprotected, but, but at the same time, now it's like, do we want to lose an? Do we want to lose that call? Yeah. Here, like, here's the problem. <laughs> is okay. So maybe a month ago we felt like we we know where we're at. The team stinks, so we need to be a sellers. Well, now the problem is you've got a huge win streak. I think it's seven out of eight. So I still feel like 
I still don't know where the team is. I don't know if this is a fluke. I don't know if this is a continuation or where they are starting to find something together. Yeah. So it's like, it's a tale of two stories. I don't know if we're sellers, we're buyers. And, and I, I haven't thing, seen enough consistency. The thing with Granlin too, that really is frustrating is Granlin obviously looks really good. He's been playing really well. He's been helping our power play too. Like, so do you want to trade somebody who's been helping our power play? Not really, but also at the same time, he's on a one-year contract. Is he going to re-sign with Nashville? Do you see what I mean? Like, if we know Granlin's gone at the end of the season, ship him off for like 20 games, okay? And get a return. Do you see, do you see my point? Like, that, that's where I'm at with Granlin. If we know he's gone, if he has no interest in re-signing with Nashville, which I think would be kind of weird because I, I feel like he's liked it here more this season too, like now that he's gotten in. And I, I don't know, maybe a full season with Hines will help solidify it. But I, I, I would I would honestly ship him out before Ekholm just because of that one-year contract. I, I would. And <clears throat> I'll make the argument that Ekholm, to me, represents core identity and a value player that I'm not willing to part with. On top of the fact that what's the trade deadline, like a month away? No, it's it's less than a month. It's two weeks. Uh, yeah. So if if I'm David Poirle, I st- I'm liking what I'm seeing right now. I'm not I'm not going to be a seller, and he's already trade averse as it is. So I don't I think he's inclined to make no moves, like you said, and especially averse to making a big move like that. Well, let's phrase the question a little different then, since we're still in the consensus that Poirle's not going to do anything. Okay. So the Preds make the playoffs this season, hypothetically. Is making the playoffs. And possibly facing like Carolina or Tampa in the first round and getting knocked out more important than taking the precedent that our future is more important with our players coming up. I, I don't know. Because you got it's, Tomasino, it's yeah. Picklick, Davies, Carrier. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, and that's kind of like to my point is like they were functioning well with a lot of core people out. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, like I, I'm, I'm just going to argue, like, Ellis is a core, huge core. Duchesne's well, a core person. Like, you know, like we had major injuries that I, I think a lot of them, I, man, it, it's just so tough because we're at that awkward zone where it's like, you know, you don't really want to be here, honestly. You'd rather be like one of the best teams in the league or one of the worst teams in the yeah, league. Yeah, you're kind of and that's, undecided. And that's fine, but you also have a little bit of time to kind of sit back and rack up some more trade value. So like, we could wait another week, and if Ekholm's still playing well and Granlin's still playing well, which they probably will be, then that price just keeps going up a little bit more and teams are going to be wanting them more. But to Kyle's point, I will say that if you're going to start dealing some people like, hey, you know Tomasino's coming. He looked really good, by the way. So Pitlick has looked really good, too, just by some of the sample size that we've gotten with him. So you do have the youth movement there. If you're willing to get rid of some and then also get future youth movement too. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I'm very on the fence, but for me, once again, Granlin's gone first. That's just my opinion. I think part of that awkwardness is, well, when all your six or seven or eight guys that are hurt are coming back, most of them command uh, top line type salary, or they're at least your main players. They're not your, they're not your taxi squad uh, type salary, at least. Once the big name players come back, you're going to have to send the small guys back down to taxi. 
And that's a problem because it's almost like your taxi squad people, your Preds B team as as good, if not better than Preds A team. And it could be for various reasons. But once the talent, once the youth who has the talent sits back down, you're not going to uh, put it this way. You're not going to set your Johansson's on the bench and your Grandlands because they're commanding a certain salary, which you paid for. Yeah, you're not going to set Duchesne either. Yeah. So you're going to have to put them on on the lineup because you're paying high dollar for them to play. But the problem is if they do what they did the first of the season again and and the Preds start slipping again, man, that, that's a tough spot because your big guys who you pay aren't doing as good as your nobodies. Because my fear is if we make the playoffs and we're guaranteed, you know, a Tampa or a Carolina and they whoop us, then everyone's going to be very upset and basically be like, why didn't we go ahead and trade? I mean, yeah. fan base aside, one thing that I've noticed as a Preds fans, we ride very high with what our expectations are. And as I was saying to somebody the other day, the last thing I wanted us to get there, not make anything, get to the playoffs, get bounced, everybody sat around with a shocked look on their face. I, I mean, but you can't be too shocked with how the, the team was playing. You know what I mean? Like, I, I you can't say that a first-round exit to Tampa wouldn't be shocking. Like, they're probably the best team in the league right now. You know, like, but at the same time, to your point, I think you still need to start looking ahead and start trying to get some assets back. I mean, you also have Eric Halla is at a $1.75 million contract who is going to be an unrestricted free agent next year. I mean, he's looked pretty good. I mean, I'll give him that, but is he going to come back? You know what I mean? Like, I'm looking at players like that, those bargain players that those are the those are the ones that people are really going to want to go after. You know what I mean? So we'll we'll see. And David Poyle has basically all the power at this point. Like, will he do a big move? I don't think it'll be disastrous if he does want to pull the trigger. I think it would be more like a Granlin type player. Uh, he might make some smaller trades, maybe like a Hala, like I said. But honestly, I don't think there's going to be much this year. And we're definitely not going to be buyers. That's for sure. Like, you're not going to be buyers. I mean, with the way the um, the draft is coming up this year, it's not the not the best draft. I'd get rid of players like Granlin, Hall, Richardson, Cousins, and get the draft picks and prospects back for them. And actually, for once, truly build this team from a young team that can mature as the years grow. We're, it's so inconsistent, and you can't see what the future holds. We've had really poor start to the season, and you've had a really hot two weeks. Where Where is the true identity of of the scale of the Predators. We don't know going forward. And the problem with this kind of no man's land is you're not tooling for a specific uh, result. You you either need to be buyers or sellers, essentially, in mentality. Because if you're not tooling for either one, then you're kind of not good at either. So you're still kind of in a waiting out period, almost to figure out where the Preds are going to be. I hate to keep saying that. Well, well, here's the deal. Like, these next three games are, like, really important. I mean, not to jump ahead to my... (laughs) my segment of the upcoming games but I mean let's be honest here looking at the schedule you have Dallas tonight Dallas again Chicago again I, I, I mean that's the next three games are huge because these are three teams that you really need to beat to make in the playoffs I, I mean it's crazy we're gonna face Chicago another four times <sighs> That, that, that's your season right there. You know what I mean? Like, 
it, the the last month, but unfortunately, what are we talking about? The trade deadline's on the 12th. So by the 12th, we'll face Dallas three more times, Chicago once, and Detroit twice. Well, we should win several of those. But the big ones are the back-to-backs Dallas starting night and then the um, one with Chicago and that one final one with Dallas before the 12th. So, boy. He's got some decisions to make, and honestly, I think this week he'll probably know where he wants to be. I, I, I mean, it, it, it could come down to the wire, like I said, and he's going to have all the power to do what he wants. But will he be willing to shop off a core player? I don't think he will be, but that's just me. That's just my opinion. Like I said, I would, I would see him shipping off Grandland because he hasn't been here for years and years before he does anybody else. Like, Ekholm's been a staple here for years. I just don't see him doing that. Yeah, I'm, especially I'm really, after a win streak. I'm really curious to see what he does because I can see it go either way, and I just like to hear where his headspace is as far as what his expectations of the team are. And I think that will obviously give so much more clarity as far as the plans going forward. Theoretically, now if they stick to those plans, you know who knows. But and I think only time will tell. You know, with this season, how the Preds will do. But Matt, as we get ready to close the episode out. Any stats for us? Yeah, I've got a bit of a theme this week in the stats column. It has been a goalies galore, so I've got a few goalie stats I'll shoot your way. Um, as mentioned, Andre Vasilevsky gets Tampa Bay to 11 straight wins. He is freaking on a tear. Well, Tampa Bay's on a tear, so they look good. Yeah. And also, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury ties Roberto Luongo for fourth all-time in road wins. And uh, hometown favorite, uh, Pecorine, actually passes mm-hmm. Marty Brodeur for yeah. sixth in shutouts. I found that remarkable. You have more shutouts than Marty Brodeur. That's, that's impressive, bro. He has, but he, Peck's, like, when he gets hot, he gets hot. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that saying. one, that one kind of snuck under the radar. I haven't heard anybody talking about that. Because that's a, that's a big name. And uh, the Islanders, Ilya Sorokin, has had 8-0 as well. He has been on a tear. And here's here's the guy. This guy's getting Rookie of the Year award. It's, it's oh, him. Or, it's just his show. Minnesota's Capo Kakinen is now, it was 9-0 and to start his freaking career. He's only the 10th rookie to have nine straight or more wins. And there's only been one person to do that in the last 37 years. And that was Jordan Bennington right before he took his team to the Stanley Cup. So... I'm, you know, I'm, I'm thinking I'm putting a little money on Minnesota to win the cup. That stat, that stood out to my mind. Jordan Bennington did it, took him to the victory, and honestly, with how good he's been, I think uh, Kakinen can do it for Minnesota as well. That so good on you, buddy. Do you know uh, who also scored his 724th goal this week? Alexander Ovechkin. It's yeah. sickening. He's coming on hot again now. So he is uh, seven behind Marcel. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah, he's uh, he also tied uh, Gordy Howe for fourth in uh, multi multi goal games as well. Yeah. And uh, Mr. Hockey himself, yeah. like it's unreal how many stats he's every, out. every week he uh, is doing something. So, so you'll enjoy this though the career scoring pace for Wayne Gretzky um, compared to Alexander Ovechkin. So the goals as it stands right now was eight hundred and ninety four to Ovechkin's seven hundred and twenty four. And the games played was 1,487 to 1,182. So the goals per game 
Ready for this? Gretzky was a .60. Alexander Ovechkin is at a .61. He is currently outpacing by a hair. Yeah, that's that's pretty epic, though. Here's the deal. The fact that someone is on pace with him in the modern era of hockey is unreal. And we keep saying, we, I mean, we're big Ovi fans here, but it's, it's just been very, very impressive to, to watch him. And I mean, almost every single night, it's like, he's breaking another stat kind of a Matt chagrin. Cause it's usually Gordy Howe. So. Well, Ovechkin's going to be my all time favorite player. I know I'm a Preds fan, but man, that is going to be my favorite player. He, he, I mean, like he's so lovable though. I mean, like, I, I don't know. Like I do like Russian players too. Matt tends to like his Russians just from his, Red Wings background, so there there is a soft spot in this group for sure for the OV, uh, the grade eight. So it's just been fun to watch, man. Just soak it in while we can. But uh, yeah, I think that's about it for the stats. So, so does that mean you have games for us, or we won't take your last well, little bit? I've already, that? I've already, we've already hashed yeah, that out. Let me just it. put it like this: ready, <laughs> ready. Every game's important. <laughs> These next couple, yeah. like each game matters. So you go out there and win them, Preds. So. And well, guys, that's going to wrap the show for today. Hope you've enjoyed it. If you want to catch more episodes, you can find them on Music City Gold on iTunes or on Penalty Box Radio. Until next time, we will see you on the ice. You've been listening to Music City Gold on the Penalty Box Radio Network. We'd love to interact with you on Twitter. The show can be found at Music City Gold. You can find Kyle at Kyle Hancock, Daniel at Steve Dan Drum, and Matt at MattBain31. Past episodes of the show can be found by subscribing to Music City Gold or Penalty Box Radio on iTunes or at PenaltyBoxRadio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the ice.